1: 97.1 FM Talk Podcast.
0: Wiggins, America. I am not a number. I am a free man. Wiggins, America.
2: The only thing I'm going to need from you guys right now is a cup of coffee.
0: Wiggins.
2: Today's global economy waits for no man.
0: America.
1: Today's global business climate is like, whatever, dude. Hey. Politics is a dirty game. I'm not sure we want to play. There are forces here at work that you couldn't possibly understand. You have no idea how high up this goes.
0: Welcome
2: to Wiggins America.
3: Hey, welcome to Wiggins America. It is the weekend. We have a lot to go over this week, as usual. Although, I guess, you know, some weeks are slower than others. And I actually cherish those weeks. Because that means that we're not at each other's throats entirely. Uh, But most of the weeks we are. And this is one that we have been. Lots to cover, of course. We're going to talk about Kim Gardner with the latest with that whole saga that's going on. Uh, Rumors of who's going to replace her. Um, Amazing news. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, But... Before we get to that or the debt ceiling, which I think I've solved, by the way, and we will I'll give you the whole solution, probably in a different segment, because I want to focus this one on a young woman, maybe middle-aged woman at this point, I don't know, named Ryan Webb. Uh, Ryan Webb recently came out. Now, now, Ryan Webb, if you have to understand, she is a councilwoman in Indiana, She recently came out as a trans Native American lesbian. However, many have accused this Republican council member of doing this simply to make a mockery of the trans community. I'm just reading this to you now, though. Webb, up until just recently, was a white man, but he is now a Native American lesbian. He is married to a woman. Um, he shared the news of his trans her transition on social media. In the public post, Webb claimed to be honored to shatter the glass ceiling, and vowed to be a vocal partner for the LGBTQIA+ community. This week, Fox News published an article noting that despite reportedly receiving death threats for her new stance, the Indiana council member is not backing down on her decision to be a trans woman of color, saying, quote, I have Cherokee on both sides of my family, so I think it's enough to self-identify as a woman of color, Webb told Fox News this week. In addition to the alleged death threats, there have also been calls for the Indiana politician to resign simply because... ...of her gender identity. Can you believe that? They said, quote, if he were serious... He! They're still dead pronouncing him. If he were serious, I'd sing his praises. But instead, I know better. One individual said at a recent meeting demanding that uh, Webb be dismissed. Another added, if that were true, we would all be proud of you... ...and no one would be denying your right to do such things and identify your heritage... (laughs) but but your open mockery of these communities is insane the vitriol is is high on this so i don't get it i mean it's just a white man transitioning into what he believes to be his identity and expressing himself and every quote that i've seen from him is playing it right down the middle he is playing it straight no pun intended And he is saying that this is a a great opportunity for him to explore his identity in ways that maybe in the past he would have been shunned for. I'm going to play for you a local news clip that has covered this from Indiana.
0: A councilman is coming out as a transgender, transgender and a woman of color. Delaware County Councilman Ryan Webb announced that he now identifies as an Indian American woman. Since that announcement, he's received some support, but a lot of backlash, many calling him childish, despicable, even calling for things like execution. In a statement Webb gave to ITMate, he says, quote, it is unfortunate that I cannot simply be given the same space and respect to explore my identity that so many of those targeting me demand for themselves. It's possible I may change my mind down the road. The process of identity exploration is complex, and oftentimes at the end of our personal journey, we end right back where we started. Webb goes on to tell IT Mate
2: this is just his true, authentic self. Do
3: you hear those quotes? Those are real quotes from a person who's seeking. You know, Yes, he's been married for a while. He was a white man. But he's exploring what it means to seek his true self. I'm going to read a quote to you from Matt Walsh says, quote, wow, incredibly stunning and brave. Ryan Webb is a powerful black woman who deserves our full support and respect, unquote. Now, while we at Wiggins America agree with the sentiment of that quote, we want to point out that there is an error in it. Ryan Webb is not a powerful black woman. He is a powerful Native American lesbian, by his own admission. Matt Walsh has mess that up although he is trying hard to support him and we support the overall sentiment wow
0: wiggins america
3: now that's ceiling and kim gardner kim gardner resigned can you believe it i can't thursday afternoon when i saw that news i was shocked because i was convinced that she was going to fight this thing tooth and nail all the way To the point that they actually had to physically kick her out of office and then she was just going to run for re-election. That looks less likely to me now. Now, I've talked with Mark Cox a little bit about this on Friday and he seemed to think that it was very possible still that she would run for re-election, citing the fact that it's a $170,000 a year job. Yeah, that's a good reason to run, uh, especially when you can claim persecution. The problem is that nobody was talking about her race or gender except her. Nobody <laughs> nobody claims that they're kicking her out because of her race or gender. In fact, I would say the opposite is true. She's the only one making this issue about that, and in her departing statements, that's what she said. Of course, I mean that's that's what she's using to say that this is a political hit job. So far are we from the days of judging a person by the content of their character in this case by the actual track record of her job. Nobody, even Democrats, even pretty far left Democrats has been able to figure out how to how to defend her other than just to say, well, it's because she's black and because she's a woman. It's it's really typical and if you're if you're in the camp that even does use that as, as defense a lot i would be mad at her for using that defense because it it cries wolf you know in a sense we're in a situation where race or gender actually would be a reason that somebody would be persecuted these kind of statements make all of them just wash away with no poignancy because you've overused it now real quick before we get to the end of this segment I want to mention that I do believe that I know how the debt ceiling debate is going to end. And it's not the way you'd expect. I'm just going to take a shot in the dark here and say that because President Biden pretty much refuses to meet with anybody. I mean, he's not even talking to the Senate, which is owned by Democrats right now. He's not talking to the House, who have passed a debt ceiling increase with stipulations that say but we have to cut these things that's the part of the negotiation but there is no negotiation happening at all how does this end i think i can tell you we're going to do that in this show and we're going to play for you the new fast and furious trailer here you go You've seen the Fast and the Furious, and Too Fast Too Furious, and the Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift, Fast and Furious, Fast Five, the Sixth One, the Seventh One, and the Fate of the Furious. But you haven't seen anything yet. Now see the brand new feature film that incorporates certain elements of every single one of the eight films. Too Fast, Too Furious 2. The fate of the Fast and the Furious 8, the Fast and the Furious 9. Or for short, F2F2F-FFF8-FF9. Hashtag
0: 2F2F2-FFF8-FF9.
3: It's got everything you love about car movies, including cars, girls,
0: Woo-hoo!
3: a Vin diesel guy, Automobiles And Cars Featuring 91% recycled footage from the first 8 films And 9% brand new footage Too Fast 2 Furious 2 The Fate of the Fast and the Furious 8 The Fast and the Furious 9
0: Brought to you by Anderson RV Company The RV Company of the future
1: Well, you can use
3: 97.1 FM Talk. This is Wiggins America. Thanks for being here. I have Ethan Peck on the phone. He's an associate with the Free Enterprise Project. Ethan, you guys look at how to move corporate America away from woke activism. That seems like such a huge topic that I'm curious to know, where do you even start?
2: Well, I think we start, you can attack this issue from many different directions, and uh, the right, or even the center right, should uh, we do it from the perspective of the shareholder. So we buy up shares in corporations, and then use our influence as shareholders to try to push uh, pull corporations away from the woke nonsense and back towards neutral. So you're going right
3: to the source. You're going to people and saying, "Hey, invest with us. We're going to move this ship uh, because the investors are saying we have to."
2: No, no, no. We 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 buy. We don't. We don't take in. Oh, investors. you don't take we- investors. No, no, no. We buy shares in corporations and then attend meetings as shareholders to try to pull corporations away from being woke. So we'll file proposals. uh, We'll ask CEOs questions. We'll ask the board questions. We'll oppose a lot of the woke nonsense. But instead of, you know, as a media outlet, we'll do it as shareholders of the company. And what we're trying to do is spread this sort of um, movement across the right because, One of the things that's been very, very successful, for example, um, just parents at at, uh, school board meetings, once they realize that a lot of this nonsense, a lot of this woke nonsense is being done to their children with their own money, they said, hey, I have a say. So, you know, the average American has investments in the stock market. All these woke corporations, if you're listening, all these woke corporations that you're pissed about, chances are you might be a shareholder of some of them through your retirement funds, your pension funds. And so, you have a voice and you should, you're allowed to go to these meetings and oppose these corporations as a shareholder and that's what we do. That's amazing. I mean, I don't think the average person, including myself, I didn't
3: even know that I could do that. You know, I mean, I get the stuff in the mail that says, well, we're required to send this to you once a year, but that's all I knew. So you actually show up kind of like a school board meeting, I imagine here, and you you get to speak to who, the CEOs of the companies? Uh yeah, absolutely. Wow! So, what's some success stories? I want to hear how you do this.
2: Yeah, well, it's very—it's um, not—it's not so easy because they're very guarded. Mm-hmm. It's not exactly like a school board meeting where you always get your, you know, three or four minutes. They—they—they make it very difficult for shareholders, and increasingly so, to have a say. And that's one of the big issues that we're pushing back against. But for example, I've—I've I've gone to American, I'm not a, American Airlines last year. Uh, they're pushing their diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, policies like every other corporation. So at the meeting, I asked the, the CEO directly, I said, these DEI policies that the company is so proud of, do you also implement them in the hiring of pilots? And he said, yeah, of course we take skin color into consideration when we hire pilots. And he just said it openly. And so, you know, it's a crazy thing to, to, to consider, you know, if, if someone's a woman or if someone's black, when you're, when you're hiring them to, 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 you know, fly a plane, it's not something that the, that the consumer wants to hear. And so that got some attention. And uh, that's, we're sort of trying to push the needle in that way uh, because that's what the left has done for the last 50 years. And when you go to these shareholder meetings, what you find is that most of the shareholder activists are on the left. And so what we need is more pushback on the right.
3: We're talking with Ethan Peck. He is part of the Free Enterprise Project going to uh, push corporations back to at least the center, if not the right. But uh, what is, why, why is DEI become the religion of most corporations? I mean, is this just sort of the standard default that most people think, well, this is what everybody's doing, so that's what we're going to do?
2: <laughs> I think that's a part of it. Um, I also think that America at large is going through a sort of cultural revolution similar to what China went through, so that's all-encompassing. It includes government and media and schools and, yes, corporations. Um, But uh, additionally, I also think that it's very griftable. It's an easy scam for these corporations. Um, One of the things that they do is they say that they need to uh, take power. They, they, They advocate for stakeholder capitalism, which is they pick stakeholders to service instead of shareholders, and those stakeholders are always like, big special interest groups and left-wing organizations that are advocating for this merger of corporate and government interests on a global scale and one of the and the dei kind of works as a trojan horse it's it's like we need to use our resources to help the world and to, to fix racism blah 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 it's not so much that they care about racism or that they're even fixing it they're making it worse it's that they use that as a Trojan horse to take away power from the shareholders and advocate for this sort of global technocracy. Um, and evidence of this is that the, the, they'll promote, you know, diversity, equity and inclusion here at home. But then in China, they'll do the exact opposite. They'll, you know, so it's they'll shrink uh, Disney, for example, shrink. A, a black actor on the Star Wars poster in China and then said we're trying to increase uh black representation in, in, in you know in America and so they the, they don't actually believe their own nonsense it's all a scam amazing
3: amazing i i love what you guys are doing and and pointing these things out are you are you focusing on the DEI aspect of corporations or are there other areas that you're looking
2: at too mm-hmm. so most of our focus for the last you know we've been at it for 17, 18 years now. Most of our focus has been on the DEI front, and that's sort of like the worst one because all corporations are engaged with DEI, but we've expanded a lot this year, and the right in general has expanded a lot. So, we have um, proposals addressing abortion, um, the World Economic Forum, the partnerships that the the corporations have with the World World Economic Forum and and the Council on Foreign Relations, uh, proposals limiting uh, a lot of shareholders serve on multiple boards. like They'll serve on three, four, five boards at the same time. And then this is why a lot of the corporations, they all behave the same way because they have the same leadership. And so we have proposals trying to, uh, you know, prohibit serving on on multiple boards at the same time. We have proposals addressing uh, the environmental issues, the net zero stuff, Um, we, we tackle a lot of issues. Ethan Pack is with the Free Enterprise Project.
3: DEI is one of those terms that you you really used to only hear when you were in academia or maybe in these high-level corporate meetings. It's one that I've become much more familiar with in the last even six months. Do you find that America is waking up to this indoctrination that you said has been going on for probably 18, 20 years? It's not new, but there does seem to be a, a greater focus on what this actually is right now.
2: Yeah, I think that Americans, uh, by and large are starting to understand that, uh, you know, not nice words like diversity don't actually mean diversity. That we live in a sort of Orwellian world where, um, just because something sounds like a, like a, like a slogan for, for good, it's not actually what it means. And, and that, and that quote unquote reverse racism is just racism. And, and so I think that Americans, you know, reject this. Um, even a big portion of Democrats reject a lot of the woke stuff. Um, so I think that there is a sort of um, awakening, if you will, to wokeness, but and what it actually means. But the, the, the people that have um, the levers, uh, you know, of power, they're still very um, in tune with this agenda because it, it's an easy grift for them and it allows them to manipulate people. Yeah,
3: man, it takes pushback, and that's exactly what you guys are doing, the Free Enterprise Project. Ethan, how do you want people to connect with you if they want to find out more about what you're doing?
2: Yeah, so you guys can go to freeenterpriseproject.org. We publish an annual report um, showing all of the left-wing proposals on ballots, corporate ballots, uh, all of the right-wing proposals. And uh, we try to show you what they mean and our, our proposals specifically, the different board members. You could check out that report on there. help you vote your proxies and you could also reach us reach out to us and we'll help you get involved yourself as a shareholder free enterprise
3: project i love it ethan thank you Freeenterpriseproject.org if you want to connect with them and find out more appreciate your time this weekend thanks a lot all right that was good that is good stuff i love that he is doing that i love the grassroots activism thank you so much for being here this weekend this is wiggins america we will be right back
2: always original never a repeat Always original, never a repeat. Wiggins America.
3: Old Roy is in studio. Old Roy, I haven't even got you. Just walked in, and I'm just telling you hi on the air. Hi. Hi, how are you? Good, 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 good. Um, I have a couple of questions for you, and they aren't serious questions. We're going to have serious questions in a little bit okay. with Trisha when she comes in. But are you afraid at all of U.S. banking system collapses?
0: Um, that's my intro for you. How are you doing, by the well, way? That's that's a good, light topic to start on. So we'll start there. <clears throat> um, well... Yes and no. Okay. Um, it is a bad thing. Um, the way economically we're structured, it kind of, uh, uh, everything depends on that. Uh, it's unfortunate that it's that way. Yep. <clears throat> but that's where we're at. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's tricky because, you know, a, a small bank here <coughs> or a small bank there collapses or... or Something bad happens. We had—I don't, you don't know if you were old enough for the savings and loan thing. Do you remember that? Uh, no. Or if I was old enough, I
3: didn't know what was going on.
0: Well, there was a big—or alive—a big deal back then. It, it, it was, uh, you know, kind of a collapse of the the uh, the savings and loan. I, I don't want to. I don't. It, it's pretty complicated. It, it, o- oversimplification, but think kind of like a credit union. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, it was. It, it was this in the early 80s or late 70s. Yeah. Okay. So it 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 um, it had an impact. Obviously, individuals were were hurt severely by it. Um, there were some ripple effects to the overall economy but you know a lot of people mostly people who didn't have anything in those they weren't affected. You know, institutions yeah. weren't really affected and and there's still an element of uh even the bigger collapses the bigger banking issues and scandals where there are effects and everybody's impacted in one way or another but you also it's not the end of the world for everybody so not to not to you know acknowledge the the devastating impact it can have on individuals directly like the Enron thing Enron thing ruined a whole bunch of people a whole bunch of people but it didn't affect me personally yeah so well
3: i'm actually glad to hear you say that because i obviously you just walked in i mean we literally walked in the door and i <laughs> turned on the microphone so we had no chance to prep any of this i had no idea what you thought about that issue yeah but uh, my thoughts are the same, and I don't think that that's being communicated much, especially from conservatives. I think that there is a lot of alarm bells and panic that's happening, and some of it justified. Because when you see big banks collapsing, and now in this year we've had two of the largest banks in U.S. history collapse, mm-hmm. that's that's not a small thing. Correct. But to say that in light of the SVB when not this most recent one, but the Silicon Valley Bank, there were people literally on Twitter and social media saying, go Monday and get all your money out of the banks. Mm-hmm. That is preposterous. It is alarmist. And it actually causes more problems than it fixes. Right. And that is one of my concerns is that we're in an age of such fast communication now, and everything is a big deal, that you actually could cause worse harm by overstating the problem. But we're so used to, on this side of the aisle, talking about things that nobody's talking about that we're like, well, why isn't anybody talking about this? So it's like, it's a double-edged sword because it it can cause... um, It's something you do want to be doing is talking about the things that nobody else is talking about because there are big, important things happening to the financial industry, both locally and worldwide, that nobody's talking about. I mean, digital currencies, for instance, Mm -hmm. things that nobody are talking about. But when you start to get to the point where you're just making making mountains out of molehills just for the sake of doing it because that's what you do, then truth is a casualty. And the whole point of doing this stuff is, what's the
0: truth? Right, I but it's interesting because it's I don't even know if you can if you can say that it's exacerbated by technology and instant gratification and everybody needing to know everything right now. Cuz that was the in in 1929 it was this, they didn't have yeah. all of this stuff, but it was the same mentality the panic. Well, that's a good point. And everybody pulling the money that actually made it worse. If yeah. people would have just settled down and not panicked, it still would have, was bad. But I mean, it, it's that mentality that has less to do with technology and more to do with human nature, which now we're, I don't want to get into a big psychological thing. But <clears throat> um, I, I think in the media landscape, you know, people will jump on that because it's, you know, it's sensational. It's sensationalized. Yeah. But people are people. Yeah. And, and, you know, if, if you can cause an entire country to collapse economically <laughs> with just newspapers mm-hmm. in 1929, uh, then, you know, it, it actually in a way, in a, in a strange way, because everything is so immediate – We've learned to tune a lot of that out that's that's true too yeah so so in 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 some sense we might even be better off that everything's an alarm so nothing is yeah in a sense I
3: I mean that's a really good point. I think you know to sum up this recent news story with this bank that collapsed um the fact is, that, and you compared this to the 1970s too, which I said, well, I didn't know much about, but after you started saying, it, and I'm like, actually, I know more about that than mm-hmm. I thought I did. Um, that that was a, high, a time of high inflation, mm-hmm. very similar to this. Mm-hmm. Banks got uh, in over their heads. Um, it did affect the average consumer because inflation always does, but the bank stuff <clears throat> only did in the sense that the Fed was raising rates like crazy then, just as they are now. Right. So a lot of similarities you are seeing a lot of this the, the bank collapse stuff that's ha- that's happened now that by the books, of course we have more money so they are bigger banks but are they bigger institutions now than they were then I, d- I would have to see I don't know that that for a fact. but the point being that this actually to me the way that this happened, minus the government intervention, because the government's had a very, very close eye and hand on this whole thing. The Fed and everybody have been very much watching this and helping it along. So I don't love that, mm-hmm. but it is a big deal. So a little oversight, I guess, is probably, you know, cooked into the books there. But J.P. Morgan Chase bought that failed bank in, you know, the last week. And that to me, everybody's like, oh, this is such a big deal. It Actually, that's what capitalism looks like. This business right here, this bank, did a bad job. Mm -hmm. They went under, but they still had some value. So this business over here, J.P. Morgan, Chase, said, well, they've still got some value. I can get them for pennies on the dollar right now. I'm going to swoop in and buy them. That's what capitalism looks like. And in fact, that was a great example to me that things are healthy. Because if that bank was going to be this contagion that destroys everything, people would be running from it like they're running from the hills. Mm-hmm. But in fact, it shows to me that everything is just happening as normal, but we do live in a time where people are, are wanting
0: to create alarms out of everything. So what you're saying is, is it your team, old man Potter from It's a Wonderful Life instead of George Bailey? I, I don't like helping people. <laughs> is what I'm
3: saying. I, I hate. I hate the idea that a George Bailey could make it in this world. Yeah, I want to see a bunch of Potters. Yep, there you go, Pottersville.
0: Was <laughs> Pottersville? Isn't that a thing? That was, was the. Was that part of the movie? The in the when he when in the he, alternate timeline. The line. alternate timeline. The development that, oh, that yeah. the Baileys had helped build. <laughs> it was, was called
3: Pottersville.
0: Pottersville. That's right.
3: All right, welcome to Pottersville in Wiggins, America. Just a small (laughs) portion of Wiggins, America. Yeah, Um, But everything is okay, at least for now. I mean, you know, next week everything could change, but I think that was the whole point of that segment was to say, I think we're getting in a little head over heels on some of this stuff. Let's take a short break. Uh, We will have a segment coming up to talk about some of the Supreme Court stuff. I don't know if you're paying attention to that, but I'm just going to kind of report on all of it because there's a whole bunch concerning the Supreme Court going on right now. And then Old Roy and Trish are going to come back in the next hour. Stick around. This is Wiggins America. File this under news that's not making news that's more important than the news that is making news. Do you follow that? I should have a sounder that just really clears that up. News that's not making news that's more important than the news that is making news. The Supreme Court has accepted A case that challenges the authority of federal agencies. This stuff is the stuff that matters. You know, when I bring you stuff about, oh, digital currencies and monetary policy, you know, people dropping the dollar as the reserve currency, that stuff is big news and stuff that really matters and it doesn't get the sexy headlines. This is kind of one of those. Now, maybe you have seen this pop up, but there's nothing really about it yet, but it, it could be a big deal. Again, Supreme Court has accepted a case that challenges the authority of federal agencies. This is something that us, conservatives, have long wanted to see happen, because there's something called the Chevron Doctrine. Now, if you're just learning about this, you're with me because I'm learning about this too. But there was a case called Chevron versus uh, Chevron USA versus Natural Resources Defense Council. This is 1984 that that happened. And in that case, the Supreme Court uh, deferred to federal agencies in contested cases like that. So what's happened since then, though, is you have more constitutional judges and less trust in those agencies that may overturn this. Now, what you've already seen this happening, the Supreme Court has already been ruling more and more against the administrative, the deep state, if you want to call it that, the swamp, determining policy that has nothing to do with the representatives who you elected. That's, that's why we're railing against this, by the way. Let me just back up a second and say why this is so important. This is important because all of those people that we, we elect They don't really even set the policy or the rules or laws for most of America anymore. It's this deep state and these agencies that do almost everything. All Congress does anymore, pretty much, is just pass budgets. They don't do anything with war. Uh, They should. They're supposed to under the Constitution. But the president just basically does whatever he wants with any sort of wars. So uh, here we are having to regain control over the federal government the supreme court is actually doing a good job of that this case is important we don't know how the case is going to turn out but what could happen here is not just that we get a little bit more control over federal agencies it's that all the courts below the supreme court then are going to throw out that chevron doctrine that says that you defer to the agencies and you'll have a new precedent that all the courts should follow they should don't know if they will if the, this case goes the right way. This is about phishing companies and um, all you know stuff that the case itself isn't what matters. It's the implications of the case are what matters. So we'll follow that. Usually when the Supreme Court takes a case like this, it means that there's something stirring. Uh, they're not going to take a lot of cases that they don't already know how the outcome is going to play out. At least with John Roberts, uh, he keeps you guessing a little bit, but... Uh, with a majority of constitutional judges, I try to use the word constitutional, not conservative, because it's intended to be non political. You have liberal activist judges and supposed to have constitutional judges, not conservative judges. With the play as it is that they say 6 3 constitutional to liberal activist judges, uh, you, you usually kind of have a feeling of how cases are going to play out when they take them. And this is good news that they're taking this case. Now, stopping there for a second.
0: American Media Export.
2: Wiggins, America.
3: This stuff Clarence Thomas has been doing has been getting a lot of attention. We haven't talked about it much because I didn't really know if it was going to go anywhere. I thought it was one of those internet things where people scream real loud, but there's not really much there. So I researched it a little bit to see what exactly are people so mad at Clarence Thomas about. Well, apparently, it's mainly that he's friends with this conservative rich guy and they take vacations together a lot and the guy buys Clarence Thomas a lot. I probably flights and stuff on vacation because they're friends and people are saying, well, he's, he's buying off Clarence Thomas's vote for conservative principles by giving him things that are not illegal. It's not that he's buying him things that he's not declaring on his taxes or something like that. It's that hes they say they're, this guy's buying influence on the Supreme Court. Now, defenders say, but this guy has literally never had a case that would ever have made it to the Supreme Court or a case, for that matter, regarding anything that they know of. So there's no conflict of interest between a justice having a rich friend and the fact that he's conservative shouldn't be a surprise because... Clarence Thomas is very conservative. So, is he going to have a very rich liberal friend that he hangs out with a lot? Maybe, but the guy's not. The guy's conservative. So, there's a lot of like middle ground there where you can go, well, I don't know. You know, is he buying influence or not? It, it does seem that they're actually pretty good friends, but is it over and above the amount of things that this guy's buying uh, for his friend, Clarence Thomas? Is he buying influence? So, my position has always been, I don't know, but. I would be surprised if anything happens because my guess is that not just the Supreme Court, but all of Congress, and of course we know about the president, they're all doing this stuff. You know, they're all like weaseling around the ethics rules, and people give them things all the time, all of them. So I was really surprised to see this news story about Tuesday says that Tuesday lawmakers and expert witnesses. Um, held a Senate Judiciary Committee ethics hearing regarding the U.S. Supreme Court. This hearing followed a ProPublica report. The Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas accepted luxurious trips and gifts from Texas businessman Harlan Crow, but failed to disclose them in financial reports. So that's where it gets, gets a little fishy there, right? Which I don't like. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't like when people are doing this stuff. It's just that if that's the common rule and everybody's doing it, Is it just Clarence Thomas? I doubt it. But this week, Senator Dick Durbin, Illinois, chair of the Judiciary Committee, announced the start of Tuesday uh, that a hearing would take place focused on potential judicial ethics reforms. He mentioned rules for federal judges that have been developed over the course of decades along with Congress. So that doesn't really surprise me, the fact that the Senate Judiciary Committee would take up ethics reform for the Supreme Court because it's a way of them kind of pushing it off and saying, yeah, we need to change what they're doing because ultimately, and this is both parties, they're all doing this stuff. So the the, the thing about being up in arms about Clarence Thomas is political because if this is somebody you already don't like, you can point at him and go, he's doing things that are that are morally ambiguous or at least ethically ambiguous for a Supreme Court justice. But none of these lawmakers are really going to dig too deep into what he's doing because they don't want people to dig too deep into what they're doing. So they're just going to sort of say, well, let's reform the rules for them. It's a very safe way to do it. Anyway, we're out of time for this hour, but we got another one coming up. So stick around. More Wiggins America coming up. Old Roy and Tricia will be here. Be right back.
1: Get more at 971talk.com.